Are you guys ready to roll? All right. So Lord, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you that biblical truth is our foundation, God. I thank you that we stand on the word of God. We stand in the confidence that the Holy Spirit searches the mind of God and reveals truth to us. I thank you that we were created with eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that understand the word of God. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, it is my job today to tie a bow on our value series. So we've been for six weeks. We taught through three weeks of our mission statement. Jesus is our center. People are our aim and passion is our approach. And as Pastor Pat so beautifully taught after that, we started a value series. And Pastor Pat always calls it the riverbanks. Like we know what we're doing, but the riverbanks kind of keep us in the how. Like how do we do that? Well, we do that knowing that worship is our mandate. First of all, we go as worshipers, right? We go to people as worshipers. Second of all, biblical truth is our foundation, period. That's where we stand. We stand on biblical truth unapologetically. Generosity is our honor. We go with hearts and spirits of generosity, investing in kingdom because kingdom is our calling. So just like the girls going out to um, uh, Oaxaca, it's actually the city of Huchitan this week. So the kingdom, we are, we are kingdom people. We see what we're doing here as a family. We see what we're doing as a community and we see what we're doing in the kingdom. And so, and then the last one, growth is our choice. So we realize that you have a choice for what you do on Sunday morning. You have a choice to get up and turn on the television and go, oh, I'm going to go watch the movement church. You have a choice to get up, get your, your kids dressed, find the other shoe, put him in a car, take him to church, look at your husband and go, why well, you can't wear that? Like we're going to church. And so like you have a choice of what you do on Sunday. You go, you know, oh, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to stay. And oh, I, you know, too tired to watch it on Sunday. So you have a choice. Growth is your choice. You have a choice every day to, to get up and look at your word and pray. And you, you, so growth is a choice. And so that's one of the hows of how we do things. And so today I get to tie a bow on the last value. See, we only chose six. And, we, and you know, I think we started... We started with a lot, huh? <laughs> Jeff. We started with a lot. Like, this is how we're going to do this. And the last one, I think, was the one that we had the most conversation about. The last one was excellence is our pursuit. And we had a lot of conversation about that. How many perfectionists do I have in the room? Don't be shy. Okay. And, and don't, don't like question the way you rose your hand. I should have rose it one second sooner. Should have held up one second sooner. I didn't get a manicure this week. So perfectionist. So I can be a little perfectionistic. Um, excellence is not perfection. And we're going to talk about that in just a bit. But interesting that excellence with all these other five, how did excellence make it on the list? And why is excellence so important because we obviously thought that excellence was really important. I think today, more than ever, excellence, living excellently, being excellent. How many people, okay, I just have to say this because I cannot preach this message with this running in the back of my head and knowing that you guys are not with me, but Bill and Ted, like excellent, like be excellent to one another. Okay, you just need to know that the other tape that's rolling in the back of my head is be excellent to one another. And for all you young people, you're just missing out. You just have no idea. So now more than ever, excellence is so important. And by the end of this morning with you, you're going to understand why. 
The definition of excellence is the quality of being outstanding. Standing out. See, Pastor Powell be so proud. You know how he's a wordy? You know, I did that one for him. So the outstanding that you're standing out, exceeding, abundant, more than, beyond measure. Now that's excellence. So excellence is our pursuit. We want to be people that stand out because we are exceeding. We are abundant. We are more than in, we are beyond measure in the way that we do things. See, here's the thing. This is our time right now. Like we just, we just had elections in the U S and whether it went your way or whether it didn't go your way, It's not important. What is important is that whatever way it went, we're excellent. See, whatever way it goes, we're excellent. I can tell you one thing that I know the sovereignty of God, that I was born in 1961 so that I could be the age that I am today in this moment, on this stage, in this way. See, I look at my little grandchildren and I go, you are four. You are four. In 40 years, whatever the world needs is all wrapped up inside of you. So I have been called to steward this time and this generation. We are living stewards of this time. We're time stewards. We are, own, we are stewarding the now and we are stewarding the generations to come. And how we do this right now is going to make a difference for how when we toss that baton to those 12-year-olds and those 10-year-olds and those 4-year-olds for how they're going to live out the next generation. See, we are stewards of this time. It is, not, it is no surprise that you are the age you are right now. See, the Bible gives us many examples of people who lived in very unexcellent situations, but who chose to be excellent and make a difference. I mean, look at Jesus, right? He, <laughs> I don't know that it could be more unexcellent. I don't know what the, I don't know what that, I'm gonna say unexcellent. I don't know that it could be more excellent. But the Bible says that he had a more excellent ministry. Because see, the Bible says that you could, you could want all the gifts, you could want to be spiritual, but the, there is a more excellent way. And that more excellent way is rooted in love. So for God so loved the world that he sent his son to come and live in the image of him and show us a more excellent way that everything we do would be rooted in love, but it would be exceeding, that it would be abundant, that it would be to the utmost that we could live. And he says that I have called you to this excellent calling. So there is no doubt that as a people of God, we are called to be excellent but there was one guy in the Bible that when you start, when, if you looked up, I want to preach a sermon on excellence. Number one, Daniel. Daniel is every pastor's example of someone who lived an excellent life. Daniel 6.3 says that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. That's like all the president. That's like he was important because an excellent spirit was in him. Everybody say in him. It wasn't because he produced excellent things. There was an ex, sorry, perfectionists. I know, I know, but we're going to talk to that. Um, but there was an excellent spirit in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So there was an excellent, and so 
first of all, he was like, I'm going to promote you, promote you. And it says that he was so excellent that the king even considered, like, you should run this thing. Okay, but here's the deal. Daniel was in what I like to say a didn't see that coming moment. Didn't see that coming. You see, the background of Daniel, it starts, I'm, I'm just going to read it. Can we read the story? Let's read the Bible. <laughs> I could tell it, but I think the Bible tells it best. Let's pull up Daniel 1 if you can. Um, in the third year reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure of, his, of the house of his God. Then the king instructed Asphanaz, the master of his eunuchs, pay attention to that, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish. Everybody say no blemish. There was no blemish. By the world's eyes, they were perfect. In whom there was no blemish, but good looking, they were good looking. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And so I'm going to summarize now. It says that the king appointed daily food for them, and they did a bunch of things. So here's Daniel one day running around the palace. I'm like, noble, I'm perfect. His mama's looking at him and going, oh, son, you are perfect. You are good looking. You are handsome. You are royal. You are perfect. And then all of a sudden, something happens. One day you're perfect, and the next day you're not. And so, the, so Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and it says that they actually put, like, hooks in their nose and led them. That was the, the, the way that they did things in the day, and they took all the best nobility, kids who were used to living in a palace. And they took them into Babylon and they became slaves to the king. And they changed their name and they changed their language and they changed their education. And do you remember where it said that he was talking to the master of the eunuchs? So the practice of the day was to castrate these young men so that they wouldn't create problems for them later on. So it is widely accepted that because the master of the eunuchs was their master, that they even made an attempt to change that. And so they wanted to change their food. So there was a lot that Daniel did not have control over. And you have to understand that he was probably saying, well, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. And so they were saying, you can have food, you can take this food, you can eat this. And Daniel decides, you know, I'm in a most unexcellent situation that I never saw coming. And they're trying to change everything external about me, but they cannot change who I am inside. See, I know who I am inside. And so he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He said, I can be the most excellent me. But I cannot be that inside. I can do those things, but I am the most excellent me right here. So he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't eat the king's food. And people are like, well, why did he do that? 
You're like, well, there's a lot of reasons. One is that maybe it wasn't kosher. One is that it could have been sacrificed to idols. Another is that by eating the king's food, there was an understanding that you were in a friendship, in a, in a like contract by you because you partook with the king. So there was a lot of reasons why it could have been. I don't know. He chose that as his statement that said, you can try to change everything about me externally, but you can never change what's inside. So basically, the story goes that Daniel and three of his friends, because I want to I point this out. There was Daniel and three of his friends. His three friends ended up in a furnace, fiery furnace, um, but they were meant, they were quality. There was also a lot of other perfect young men who did not make this choice. We don't talk about them. We don't, we don't see them in the Bible. So Daniel and his friends said, hey, we're going to take a stand. We're not going to eat the king's food. But Daniel is wise. So it says that he goes to the authority and honor. <clears throat> and he says, please don't make us do this. And it says that God put favor upon him. And that guard said, okay. Daniel's like, trust me in this. My God will come through. You're going to find it's going to be all better. And at the end of the day, Daniel and his friends were found to be 10 times more healthy, more strong, more wise, greater in understanding. No one was like them. There was so much favor on their commitment to excellence. And when the king met with them, he understood what that was, and he put them in positions of influence. And as a result of Daniel's commitment to excellence in an unexcellent situation, he became the single most greatest influence over not only the people that he was that were captured, but over his captors and over the realm and over the world, as we're going to see at the end of this talk. Because he did one thing, he decided that I will be excellent in this one thing that sits in front of me. And God put his hand of favor on it, and it exploded for him. Now people go, yeah, but that was Daniel. See, I'm not Daniel. But I'm going to tell you, it was really important that Daniel and his three friends make a decision for excellence. But why does excellence matter today? Like, why does it matter? Why do we need to be excellence? And is it your truth about excellence? Or is it my truth about excellence? Because, you know, excellence, the target of excellence shifts. Like one day you could be the most excellent person and then say something and the next day you're canceled and you are far from excellent. Like, doesn't that happen today? Like, here's perfect, here's, here's perfect. Woo! And people are like, oh, you're not perfect. Right? Those standards in the world, those external standards in the world shift. But why is it important today? Well, I can tell you. You know me. I like to geek out on statistics. There was a Barna study. We love Barna. Thank you, Barna. And it said that only 21% of non-Christian people have a positive perception of their local church today. So 20% of people that are not Christian have a positive perception of church today. So here's the truth. People that need Jesus are not coming to church to find him. 
If 80% of the people who need Jesus have a negative image of church, why would they walk through that door? They're not coming to find him. And by our very declaration, people are our aim. So how are those 80% of people ever, ever going to find him, ever going to feel like they can walk through the doors of a church? It's because they need to know, they need to know a Daniel. They need to know someone who shows them the more excellent way, who is committed to being abundant, who is committed to standing out, who is committed to doing whatever they do with the spirit of excellence that they go, man, you are trustworthy. You are integral. 80% of practicing Christians have a favorable view of church. So if you come to church and you, you practice your faith, you think church is pretty good. See, I like that. Because I can tell you that about almost 60% of people who say, I believe in Jesus, he's my God, but yeah, I don't, I don't go to church, I don't practice, 60% of them don't have a favorable view of the church. That's an interesting statistic. If you show up, you realize the benefit. If you don't show up, you start thinking through it, thinking through it, well, it's no good, well, I don't know if I trust it. Here's an interesting statistic. 60% of people... Today, everybody say they have been negatively affected in their opinion of the local church because of the, the promotion of failures within clergy. The, the group, this got me, the group that was the most, the highest percentage was my age, 50-year-olds and up. They start listening to this pastor fell, this pastor fell, this pastor fell, this pastor fell. Things go all viral. And they're like, I can't trust the church. And I thought that was so interesting because I'm like, but we've been in it for 40 years. <laughs> so, like, I can understand the young kids coming up. I can understand. Like, like, I get it. You don't know what you're walking into. But come on. I'm going to speak to my age group. We've been in it for over 40 years, most of us, like, yeah. Yeah, there were some things that went wrong. But I know a lot of good people who are hard at work for the gospel. God still loves his church. And the last time I checked, he hadn't changed his mind. So the number one reason is that people who, knew Jesus, who need Jesus are not coming to church. And we need to be we need to be representing the excellent God. And the way that we do that is through excellence. The second reason we need to be excellent is because we represent an excellent God, right? We walk into work, in our homes, to our children. Like, it does you no good to tell your children how excellent and loving and faithful and kind and consistent God is and then just suck as a parent. I can say that because I'm old. It's amazing what I get away with, huh, job. It's amazing what I get away with. So I'm an old lady. People are like, ah, oh, did she just say suck? Oh, I did in church. Nobody likes to suck. So, so, it is, we, so we represent an excellent God. And I can tell you one of the worst things that you can do in your workplace as a parent in your home with your unsafe family is to represent an excellent God in a most unexcellent way. It is. It's just, it's like death to evangelism. 
right? So let me just tell you, Psalm 36, 7 says that God's loving kindness is excellent. Hebrews 8, 6 says that he has a more excellent ministry. Psalm 8, 9 says that his name is excellent. Job 37 says that he's excellent in power. Isaiah 12, 5 says that he has done excellent things, right? His majesty is excellent. Like God is excellent. So we need to be excellent because when we're out there, People are like, gosh, how many of you have ever just met like a young, we got a lot of them here, a young person, a young man who is just, you're like, man, that is an excellent young man. Like you, how many, and how many, I don't know if you're bosses or you work with someone and you're like, man, I want like, if we ever do it, like a department shift, I want that guy. Like if we're ever on survivor, that's alliance, alliance. Like, I want that person, right? So, um, so you want that, mo that person who's going to go above, be exceeding, like abounding. You wouldn't want me on Survivor. I would be the person who goes, can you just please vote me off today? <laughs> like, oh, so vote me off. <laughs> so that would be me. Or people, they, would, they wouldn't just vote me off. They would probably want to hurt me. And so I just wouldn't. My husband would be an amazing servant. I always tell him, go on Survivor, babe. You like, you just like, you think you went on vacation. He'd be like, this is good food. I like this. He's like the easiest guy. So anyways, the most excellent, when you see someone who is excellent, a person who you go, man, that person, like Julius on the keys. First time I ever walked in here, I was like, who is that? This is a young man who has spent some time working on things. A more time than most other people. He is most excellent. When you see Elijah, <coughs> excuse me, up here, and you're like, man, you honor the spirit of the Lord so well. Last thing, there's favor on excellence. Remember it said that David went to his guards, and he asked, and it said that God gave him favor. And throughout his life, as he chose to be and do excellently, that God just gave him favor upon favor upon favor. See, God puts favor on excellence because they are the things that point to him. He's like, oh, oh, that's a godly care. I'm, you got my favor on that. You got my favor on that. You know what's an interesting thing for me to see in my age? is something called the great resignation. <laughs> Quiet quitting, they call it. Quiet quitting. There, there seems to be a growing nobility in the great resignation and quiet quitting. That, you know, like, I want this, or I want that, or I want to be able to do this thing or that thing, and if I can't have it, well, I definitely need my paycheck. So what I'm going to do is continue to take my paycheck, but I'm just going to do the bare minimum and nothing more. I'm just basically going to show up, do this. I'm going to check out because, you know, and maybe truly somebody hasn't, you know, been the best boss, um, but I'm just going to quietly quit but then still be here and take my paycheck. Quiet quitting. I don't, I don't understand that. And, but it's a thing. It's like a thing right now. We're going to talk about that. 
Like, I come from a big Mexican family. My dad, man, he was the leader of the gang. Like, you didn't quietly quit on nothing. <laughs> My dad be, mija, did you, did I tell you to do that? Huh. And then you better go back out and get whatever it was you were supposed to do, and you better do it right. <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, uh-uh. We didn't know quiet quitting back then. Martin Luther King, he has a lot of great quotes about this. But he says, if, if I cannot do great things, I can do great things in a great way. <coughs> he says, if you are a street sweeper, do it the way that Beethoven composed music. Be the best street sweeper you ever were. I can't imagine Martin Luther King going, you know, if you're not happy, just quietly quit. Because I have a dream. He'd be rolling over in his grave right now. He knew the Lord, and he had an excellent spirit. We would do well to listen to him. So the secret to Daniel's excellence, two things. He had a strong inner game. He had a strong inner game. See, excellence is not perfection because perfection is something that we do or it's something that something is for a bit. But he had this strong inner game. He said, I purposed in my heart that I would not defile myself. And so no matter what they did to him on the outside, his inner game was strong. He knew the Lord. He knew who he was. He knew what was expected of him in the area of excellence. And he was, he was set on it. You got to have a strong inner game because excellence comes from within. See, you decide beforehand whether or not you're going to suck or be excellent. You don't decide in the moment. You decide beforehand. See, before Pat stepped into his rehab thing, he decided beforehand that he was going to be excellent at it. And this morning I sent him a message and I was like, you're going to do great today. You know why? Because I know his inner game. I've lived 20 years with him know who he is inside. He's got a strong inner game, but the decision as to how he's going to go through this very painful, very long, very difficult rehab was made before he walked in the room. I love that. See, the decision to suck or be excellent is made before you ever get there. Before you ever say, well, I didn't see that coming. Interesting thing, he had a strong inner game. So when things moved from bad to, oh my gosh, I'm in charge of everything, it was the same inner game. It was the same excellence. So whether you were in challenge or whether you were in great success, that inner game of excellence is super important, right? How many times have we seen young people who, I love YouTube, like TikTok, YouTube, everybody says, oh, Mama Julie, you's like up with things. I'm like, I am, because I love that stuff. And we see young, but we see some young people who have made it so big, so quick, but they don't have a strong inner game. And we go, oh, what happened to you? Oh, you just fell off that train. No, they didn't have a strong inner game. Second thing was they had a strong, he had a strong honor game. Daniel served four kings. He went to the person that was in charge of him with honor, and that guy gave him favor. He honored himself. 
He honored God. He honored the people that he served. He had a strong honor game. He was committed to showing honor in all of his relationships, even with his friends. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, Daniel had a strong honor game. He worked for an unseen boss. So you thought undercover boss was like a new idea. We got the best undercover boss, like, woo, Jesus. So if you knew Jesus was going to show up physically at church, you'd probably come. Because you're like, whoa, he's coming, right? He's here, right? We work for an unseen boss, undercover boss. He is everywhere. I love that show. I love when people figure it out and they're like, oh, shoot. Quiet quitting. That didn't work out. Um, so he had a strong honor game. And we're going we're gonna to see a little example of that in just a second. I want to talk about excellence killers. Perfectionism is an excellence killer. Because here's the deal. Perfectionism is, is born in a root of... I, this needs affirmation. I want to make it perfect so that it can be affirmed so that I can be known as someone who does something perfect. Like that's the difference between perfectionism and excellence. Like perfectionism seeks honor and excellence seeks to honor. So I want to be excellent because I want to honor the company that gives me my paycheck because I want to honor God because I want to honor my wife because I want to honor my kids. I want to honor my parents. Therefore, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to do the extra thing. I'm going to stand out. I'm going to work in abundance because I want to be excellent and I want to go the extra mile. So it seeks to honor. Perfectionism, perfectionism seeks honor. I will be perfect and then I will get affirmation. The next thing that is um, an excellence killer is equity. I will give you what you gave me and no more. I cannot expect, it, expect to do more because of the way that I'm treated. You hurt me. There was an injustice there was an offense. And so I cannot go above and beyond because there has to be equity. Well, see, here's the deal. Daniel was made a eunuch. He was taken away from his parents. He lived over 70 years in a foreign land. His whole life was stripped from him. He could have been bitter. He could have lived in that offense. But I can tell you, when you hold up a banner of offense and bitterness and unforgiveness, you cannot also then hold up the banner of love and excellence. You got to choose which banner you're going to hold up. You got to choose your inner game. And no one might fault you for saying, oh yeah, you were treated bad. You're a wife. Oh my gosh, your wife, your kids, your parents, your mom, your boss, society. Yeah, but equity will kill excellence because excellence says, I honor you, O king. But this line I will not cross. Equity is an excellence stealer. See, here's a story at the end. One of my favorite stories. Daniel, after 70 years, well, it was towards the end of his life. He was an old man. Everybody always draws the pictures of Daniel being this young man and with the lion's den. He was old. 
Like, I don't think I would have survived just the drop in the thing, but he was old. And so what happens is, you know, he's serving these kings and then everyone's mad and jealous because he's got so much favor on him. And remember, he's like, he's captive. Like he's not one of them. And so they, they do this, they make this law, they try to entrap him. And it says that Daniel, as he did every day, because one of the things that Daniel did that contributed to excellence was that he just had great habits. Every single day, whatever his hand found to do, whatever his hand found to do, that's what he did. He did it with all his heart as to Jesus. Every day he prayed. And they knew, hey, I'm, we just got to do this and we can trap him. So they trap him. The king has to throw him in a lion's den. But the king, it says that the king, this pagan, unchristian, not trusting the church king, was so upset that that night he didn't eat, he didn't drink, he didn't ask for entertainment, he didn't sleep, he stayed up all night. And it says that in the morning, I'll tell you, it's Daniel um, 19, 6, 19. <laughs> it's one of my favorite pictures. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and it said that he hurried to the lion's den. He ran and that word hurry is hurry with anxiousness. This is a king, people. This is a king who is ruling over like almost the whole known world. This is a king. And this is a slave. And it says that he ran. He ran with this, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. When he came near the den, it says that he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. And he said, Daniel, servant of the Lord, the living God has your God, has your God whom you serve continually, continually been able to rescue you from the lion's den. And this is what I love, honor game. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. Equity is going to kill excellence in your life. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they haven't hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor however, have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And it says that the king was overjoyed. Now, how many of you, when someone throws you in a den of lions, the first word out of your mouth is going to be bless you. Continually consistently the inner game the honor game man and it says that the result of that was that the king decides to write in verse 25 they bring him out the king wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth everybody say in all the earth this is a man of influence who is able to speak to the whole earth 70 years of excellence and then king rises up on your behalf and speaks to the whole earth and he says for he issued a decree that in every part of the kingdom people must fear 
and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And it says that Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. And Cyrus is the one who sent all the Jews back to their homeland. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. See, excellence must be our pursuit because the people that need Jesus aren't coming to church. And I know you might have found yourself in a didn't see that coming moment. I mean, I did. I didn't, I didn't, this was Pat's message to preach. I didn't see this coming. And I, and I got to tell you, I got to confess, because Haley last week said that vulnerability after the fact is, is not really vulnerability. <laughs> like, I make a really poor Pastor Pat. Ah, uh ah. -uh. No, let me tell you. I do. But I make a really excellent me. See, I can be, the Lord said this week, I said, but God, I'm nothing like Pat. We are very different. If you guys know us, we couldn't be more different. And I, I, I often say that somebody should make a movie about it because we are so different except in our love for Jesus and the mission that we've been put on and our commitment to our relationship to love one another and to be careful with each other's hearts. But I'm nothing like him. And he is nothing like me. And I said to the Lord this week, I said, I'm nothing like him. I, I, I'm, I'm a really poor example of Pat. But I, but I, I said to Jeff, because he was kind of talking me off the ledge a little bit. He, he called me and he goes, you're not a jumper. <laughs> Don't jump. And I said, but Jeff, I make a really excellent me. I know how to do me really excellently. So is that okay? And Pastor Jeff says, that's absolutely okay. So my commitment in my didn't see this coming season is that I will be the most excellent me that I can be. Amen. And I need y'all to be the most excellent you so that we as a family can be excellent because those people who need Jesus are not walking in this church yet. 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 So here's my challenge to you. I want you to work on your inner game. Memorize that scripture, whatever my hand finds to do. Work on your honor game. Find one thing. Be the most excellent father. Be the most excellent husband. Be the most excellent worker. As Martin Luther King said, be the most excellent street sweeper. Whatever your, fine, your hand finds to do, do it in a way that makes you stand out. Like have the people around you going, what? Who are you? Have the people around you asking that question. It's like your kids are going, what happened to dad? Be the most excellent. Put down whatever banner you're holding that's keeping you from holding the banner of excellence. And you're going to have time at the end of service. I want to give you an opportunity to come up and to pray 
um, Daniel and Jenny Vega run our prayer team, and they are amazing and wonderful. And come up and say, man, I got to put down the banner of unforgiveness. I got to put down the banner of bitterness. I got to put down the banner of mediocrity. Or just walk up and go, I feel like I suck right now. And let them pray for you. Let them take, let them come into agreement that you were created for excellence. Maybe you're in a didn't see that coming moment. Make sure that you come up and get prayer. And then if you're walking out, say hello to Pastor Jeff. If you need him to tell you you're not a jumper, get off the ledge. He's really good at that firsthand. I know that. And then go out and have a really wonderful week. And like Bill and Ted said, you have to be excellent to one another. Be excellent to one another. So, God, we thank you for this time together. Your word is truth. I love you. I love the examples that you gave us to learn from in scripture they're so powerful god they're so encouraging and so for each one of us today i thank you that they're going out we're going out we're just being excellent that people are noticing and that the hand of favor is upon us in jesus name amen amen god bless you guys